Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Living free. Ah, welcome to the Living Free Show on 3CR Community Radio, 855kHz on your AM dial and 3CR on digital radio. Hi, I'm Bill, and with my show co-hosts, acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, traditional owners of the land from which 3CR transmits people-powered radio. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and acknowledge that this, was sto- this land was stolen and sovereignty was never ceded. Each week on the Living Free Show... We showcase one of the many programs that assist in recovery from drugs, alcohol, gambling and food addictions. Our guests share their recovery story and highlight that shared experience saves lives. My guest today is a compulsive gambler who's recovering with the help of Gamblers Anonymous. Uh, I'd like to welcome Ryan to the show. Hi, Ryan. Hey, Bill. How's it going? Good, thank you. Ryan, we usually start talking about growing up and uh, the sort of family life you had and uh, sort of moving on to, I guess, the point where you started to get interested in gambling and and where gambling took you. So do you want to talk about growing up and family life? Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, I was raised in quite a typical family. Um, Loving parents, um, birth, marriages, deaths, all sorts of things throughout the um, family. But um, both my parents weren't big gamblers, weren't drinkers or anything like that. Um, So it was not something that actually came up for topic quite, quite often. I think my first sort of experience around gambling would have been, you know, maybe Melbourne Cup Day, something like that. You know, everyone throws in a, a number in the in the bowl and see who ends up getting the lucky horse sort of thing. Um, or even at school uh, with some some of the boys at school, maybe having a, a betting account at the age of 15, 16, um, like an illegal betting account there. So, yeah, I, there wasn't a huge amount of exposure early on, um, but there's probably more more than I realised um, as I sort of looked back and as we were discussing a little bit before the before we started here, just how much, you know, different little things here and there pop up and you realise like, yeah, well, they um it was a bit more prominent than, yeah, than I realised. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the other thing is that we talk about the sort of kid you were. Um, were you happy and relaxed and friendly and as a child? Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, I was quite, um you know, broadly accepted through the like the school community through sports um all sorts of things like that i you know definitely had a lot of friends always caught up with people um had some really good friends that i always caught up with um you know we saw family members all the time we caught up with family all the time so um i'd, I'd consider myself a typical yeah, you know, yeah. childhood Child, yeah yeah so what about academically academically i was um yeah quite quite high up i remember in sort of year five six i, I hit um sort of the top level in in maths for for my year um and you know moved through school quite easily um wasn't until the later years where i didn't really find myself fond of school went down some sporting paths went to a tafe um those sort of things around that year 10 11 um that i sort of branched out and did something different but all the way from from prep through to year 10 i was quite i'd say in the top 25 30 percent of the of the school for for that year yeah yeah so what changed not entirely sure like from early on i think it would have just been um i suppose little life decisions here and there and um getting a little bit more exposure to gambling um like i mentioned before yeah there was there's people in my school um that you know had betting accounts from a 15 16 years old and um, i remember briefly seeing that and not really actually being interested in it um then getting involved in sport and around clubs and you know you're with around people all the way from who are younger than you you know you're helping coach an under 10s game or you're being a part of the seniors you know running out a water bottle for them or something like that um and and that's probably where it it comes a little bit more broad heading to a TAFE um again meeting more people older than you not just confined to your to your school you know your year level um and and experiencing more and more and then at the age of 18 and it was you know widely accepted and made my first betting account and won a large sum of money off a small amount and it was probably from that moment it was yeah hooked yeah a lot of people have that big win at the start so do you want to talk about how that felt 
Yeah, so I mean, the probably the first feeling was like how easy, um, you know, like being 18 and just out of school and only only a part time job really, you know, money is a hard thing to come by. Yeah. Um, and then all of a sudden to find this magical way, you could say that you can just all of a sudden have money and you know it it be easy. Um, essentially it was um that's yeah what I am going the path. But obviously as you learn, it's it's um not an easy option it's not um this magical thing it's it's yeah quite a detriment to, to what's happened and continued on yeah um was it an ego thing did you feel did it really boost your confidence i i reckon it did yeah and i, I think it also meant around you know you, you speak with people and it was the big ego thing and uh, you know i mean the, the advertisements and things around gambling as well you know the the saying like you know a, a gambler will only tell you about their wins not their losses yeah. you know they're walking in somewhere and being like oh you've won this much money off that well i can trump you i'm better than you i'm yeah. those sort of things you know walking in there and being the biggest guy in the in the bar per se and yeah. saying you know yeah i can do that i can do that you did that that's nothing compared to me i'm much better probably definitely played a big part in it yeah the other one that uh, i know gambling companies are doing now is bets with mates and things like that so were you gambling with your friends I think early on, yeah, there's, you know, like, I mean, we had, they go back into the days of betting syndicates around, whether it be your sport or with a group of friends or anything like that, where, you know, it's not as elaborate as it is today, but it was mm. a messenger or a catch up with mates and, oh yeah, what's, what's your tip for the week or what's your this or that, or it was that social aspect of like, yeah. you know, as a group, we could do one. I remember there was at one stage, there was a, a group of us who were going to, win a trip to vegas off twenty dollars yeah how are we going to do that <laughs> yeah not going to happen yeah. <laughs> yeah it's quite funny thinking back isn't it yeah um so did it mean that you formed specific friendships with people who gambled um i definitely think there was friendships that formed that help with the gambling in terms of like um people who i may not have hung out with all the time I ended up hanging out more with because of gambling um, or, you know, you you might blow off one group group of friends because the other group are invested in something you like per se um, or, you know, could grow your bank account or something like that, yep. which again, like hindsight's a great thing and yep. looking back on it, you'd go, I'd give anything to say no to those guys and say yes to the other ones who were just having a nice night in and made, made a pizza at home, yep. you know. Yep. Um, and, and build some good habits but you live and you learn and you know I mean I wouldn't be sitting here today hopefully reaching out and helping people today if it wasn't for my experiences yeah so do you want to talk a bit about um, I guess that dynamic of grouping together to to bet and and what what that meant to you at the time yeah I think um, at the time it just meant you know connection i mean it's it's you know everyone wants to be with someone you know in a group friendship accepted things like that and i think what fueled the the fire there was the um yeah you know you you perform well you did good you were this almighty gambler you told this story of how you did this that yeah. time and everyone again that ego egotistical thing and everyone looked up at you and went oh wow isn't he cool or isn't that person cool and whatnot and um yeah it's sort of built into that so you'd you'd try and do something more or you try and try something riskier or try something that doesn't pay off and then you know slowly it turns from this social t sort of thing to a group of guys that are just gambling delinquently and to doing it by yourself yeah. um you know to the, the sad realms of sitting by yourself somewhere doing it going to the casino somewhere doing that going to the pub like yeah. um so it definitely takes a turn for the worse yeah yeah, we'll we'll get to that, I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, so did it interfere with your relationships and things? Yeah, it def definitely did. It definitely impacted um, whether it be friendships or relationships with with partners um, or even you know with family members. Whether that whether we knew it was a direct correlation to gambling then or whether it wasn't, um, I definitely look back on it now again with hindsight and go, well, that probably did happen because I was you know, secluding myself or doing this or going down the, the bad habit or got angry at someone because I'd lost a bet, but I don't really need to take my anger out on someone there or those sort of things. So I think it, it affected not just myself, but a lot of those relationships, whether it be intimate, whether it be friendships, whether it be family, 
just because of the gambling. Mm. A lot of people talk about um, gambling affecting their ability to socialise with family and sort of being separate and always thinking about gambling rather than the, the social event they're at. Did you have that impact? Um, I'd, I'd say it would be... Um, for me personally, it, it was a little bit different in that front. Um, I'd still be able to be reasonably present, you know, at family things, and I'd always try and make that front, and that was that that thing, you know, you got to hide this this one yeah. part to be able to front up to yeah. that that other other section of, of things to be able to, you know, um, make sure that everyone's happy and and you know, I suppose people please and those sort of things. So, um, yeah, there's that that aspect of. I don't think personally it did, but I know there's a lot of people it does does affect that you know they they shut down from that that family gathering because they are thinking about or always need to to go back to the gambling. Yeah, um, yeah. One thing you mentioned there was about hiding gambling. So when did that start? Um, it probably started like later on. Um, I mean, funny enough, like when I first won money, I told everyone. You yeah. know, told my parents, told siblings, told friends. It, it was a thing, you know, and then I won a bit more money and I told them that too. I lost money and I told everyone that and you know, it was it was fine. It wasn't until it became a, an issue yeah. that it began of, you know, of the, oh, no, I don't do that anymore. It's I did that once and I won, but I don't do that anymore and no, 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 and sweep it under the rug and those sort of things. So it wasn't until it became an issue and I suppose it became an issue once I stopped talking about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that... Uh, were you, as a child, were you dishonest? No, I was quite an honest. I mean, um, I, my parents always joked around that, you know, they'd, they'd tell us that we they could see it on our forehead or see it on our eyes. So, you know, if we lied, we'd cover our eyes or cover our forehead sort of thing. So yeah. there was that aspect. And um, I had a quite a healthy relationship with both my parents. So yeah. we were quite open and, and upfront about everything. And I knew that I could go to them for, for anything. Yeah. So did you, did they notice any difference in you? Before you told them? Um, yeah, before I told them, they, they had noticed something, um, but probably not as early as it became an issue. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, so, sort of moving, I guess, school ended, you started, started work. So, did starting work and, I guess, turning 18, was that the, I guess, the big shift for you? Um. I guess it was because then, like, I talk about, you know, a kid who, you know, was pretty honest with his parents and talk about someone who didn't really like breaking rules or anything. So, it's, I didn't do it before I was legally allowed to, you know, um, didn't make an account early on or anything like that. And um, it didn't start until later on. And I think, yeah, having um, a job and everything probably didn't actually kick it off that much early on. I mean, I had great understanding around saving money and putting money away and those sort of things and it wasn't a huge thing um but i think as time went on you know having a full-time job and being successful in that drove the force of i need that because i need to fund fund the gambling so yeah, yeah. okay <laughs> um and i guess when you started work was it was it an impact on your working life initially um, I think the gambling at points did impact, yeah, um, the working life. I mean, you know, whether you, you had to work more hours, longer hours or this or that or didn't turn up to work because you were, in quotation marks, sick um, one day because you'd gambled or you'd done this. Um, yeah, it definitely affected um, things, whether, you know, your, your mental health was gone downhill because you decided to, again, gamble or lose or this or that happened or you took a day off because you won money or whatever it be. Um, I definitely think it did did affect some of the, the work there, yeah. Yeah, okay. And I guess, um, you know, in, in a working day, were you were you distracted by gambling? Were you thinking about gambling when you were trying to work? Um, when it became a real issue, yes. Okay. Yeah, when it became um, a, a serious issue and, and got further into, into the addiction, it definitely became something that... You know, yeah. During a day, you'd you'd step out for for lunch instead of going on lunch break. You'd go gamble, or you know, people would go on a smoke break. Well, you'd go on a gamble break. It'd be yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sounds ridiculous. So it does sound ridiculous, doesn't it? Um, well, listen, we might take a break, short break there. Um, we've got uh, an upbeat, energetic pop rock. 
pop soul tune, and it's come via Australian Music Radio Airplay Project. Uh, the song is called Dance the Night Away, and it's a recent release by Shannon Smith. Global Intifada, bringing you current affairs through revolutionary and protest music from around the world. Every Thursday afternoon from 5 till 6 on 3CR. Because music is our bomb. Welcome back. This is the Living Free Show on 3CR, 855 kilohertz on your AM dial and 3CR on digital radio. Uh, If you'd like to listen to one of our many podcasts, then you can find us on your preferred podcast platform or just Google 3CR Living Free and check out our website. You can also contact us via phone or email. Today I'm talking with Ryan and we're talking about compulsive gambling and his recovery through Gamblers Anonymous. 
Um, so Ryan, you know, before the break, we were talking about you know getting into work and uh, your gambling not being a, a big impact on your life. Um, so how did things change as you progressed? Yeah, so I mean, as we mentioned before, pretty typical child, pretty typical you know childhood, um, great parents, great family, um, all those sort of things, and then um, things changed when gambling became an issue, um, and that became an issue when uh, you know spent more more money than I had, um, you know, searching for those dopamine hits, searching for those highs. Um, and those sort of things and and really turning to gambling as a, a solution for all my problems versus um, you know other healthy healthy ways for that whether it be exercise or to um, reach out to a friend or reach out to a, to a specialist or um, even to GA um, yeah. which is ultimately what ended up happening yeah. so do you want to talk about I guess what those issues were why why you sort of sought gambling as a as an outlet yeah I think um, you know there's just probably I can't even really pinpoint exactly what the, the the big issues were but I know that you know whenever something did end up happening in life whether it was stress or whether it was whatever it was it seemed to be that you know you can go into a little cocoon in your mind fall on back onto gambling and and use that to you know gamble away the the problems you know whether it be monetary value because you could always you know at the time I always felt that you could you know, get happiness out of money and, you know, the more money you had, you could go do something and then forget about other things or, you know, something happened, you broke up with a partner, you you lost the game of footy, you, something went wrong, you know, a friend got mad at you, whatever it was, you got rejected it by a girl or something like that, you always fell back on gambling because the thought process was there was, okay, this is a safe place for me, this I can get a little bit of a rush of dopamine, I can get some money, I can go bet, just focus on that for the moment and then I can go and do something else yep um so can you sort of explain to me why you thought it was a safe place yeah it's quite a weird concept um considering yeah. it's not a safe place yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's um not a safe place at all but it just i think the the comfort there of regularity um it's always there um doesn't matter what day time night whatever it was you could go back to it um it was just a screen it was by myself didn't have to deal with anyone, didn't have to deal with people, um, gave me a bit of a rush. I got to you know, have an investment on a particular outcome of something and really work and try and watch what that, that outcome would be. So whether it be basketball, footy, ice hockey, whatever it was, yeah. whatever sport it was, American football, um, you get on your phone, look it up, look at the stats and go, feel like you're this big accomplished person, yeah. like a big stock exchange market going, oh yeah, I'm figuring out the exact statistics on this and yeah. and really dive deep into it. And then essentially you'd be out of the rest of the world and just in your own little world in what was a perceived comfort. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people go to pokies just to sort of zone out and just, I guess, forget their problems. Yeah. 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 So did it enable you to forget your problems? Essentially, yeah. That's that's exactly what it was. It was, was it, it allowed me to step out of reality and into a, a different realm and be there and go, okay, well, I don't need to worry about my problems anymore because all I need to focus on is this particular action that's happening right now. And the action was a negative one. Um, and yeah. Yep. So do you want to tell us about how gambling affected your finances? Uh, affecting my finances completely shot them really um i mean i you know one had no money um gambled it all away um then you know got personal loans or credit cards or um things like that just to be able to either you know get food for the week or get fuel or this or that or um you know buy someone a birthday present or something like that and so you just slowly you know got more and more loans um didn't pay back credit cards didn't pay you know your, your phone bill those sort of things um and that you know negatively impacts your um, credit score um, yeah. and yeah, and your finances yeah, everywhere. So, yeah. so do you want to talk about that? Um, the ease, I guess, in which you were able to get credit cards and loans and things. I, it was actually surprisingly easy. Yeah. For at, you know, when I first got my first credit card at the age of, I'd say, 20 or something like that, it was like submit two pay slips. I was a part-time worker then. And they gave me a two and a half thousand dollar credit card yeah. that I could max out in seconds. Like yeah. it was, yeah, the ability to get, um, I think like at the age of 20, I managed to get like two or three, you know, sort of $2,000 loans. 
and credit cards and stuff like that and, and all of a sudden have access to $10,000 yeah. um, just off the back of sending in two pay slips yeah. from you know two weeks that I worked really hard and then but really hadn't worked a few weeks before like it's uh, it was crazy the um yeah the ability that I could get money from so quickly yeah um yeah and I mean ultimately it's it's shot a lot of things in terms of credit scores and and I'm still building myself up financially now but um yeah yeah um the other one is that um you know being really short of cash is is a problem but how did that affect the way you lived oh uh yeah it affected it a lot um, so, you know, whether you, you gotta, you know, eat two minute noodles for two days straight, or I was fortunate enough a lot of the time to be living with parents. Um, so, you know, you'd always go somewhere and whatnot, or, you know, you'd, you'd lob into a friend's house and be like, oh, I just sort of stop past for dinner and have dinner with them or whatnot. Yeah. But, you know, there was, oh, you couldn't, you couldn't go out with friends, couldn't go out on weekends. You couldn't, like, it's completely changes, yeah, your lifestyle. Yeah. So when did you think it was a problem? At what point did it become too much? Um, honestly, it became too much when obviously took out the loans to because <laughs> they needed money. Um, the minute it became more than just a, a social aspect and and became a, a thing of just doing it for you know every now and again or with money that I'd anticipated to spend elsewhere and when it became yeah uncontrollable. Yeah, but. You didn't. I guess that the thing I'm trying to figure out is when did you realise that you needed to do something about it? Yep. Um, it probably came when you know you you lose a lot of um, you know, your thoughts and your 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 trading and question your morals and your those sort of things when you know you you need money or you need this or you need that. Um, and it just it it came a point when you know like um, I had nothing left. Um, you know, had spoken to my parents about it and it was time to just yeah, surrender and, and give up and, and seek help. Um, and yeah, that's sort of where it ended up branching into the, the realms of, you know, Gamblers Anonymous and, and, um, to rehab. Right. Okay. Um, so do you want to talk about, um, what, what brought you to admitting you had a problem and, and who you talked to and, and how that unfolded yeah so i mean what bought it was just there was covid amounts of debt um making bad decisions um and just overall not um having a great quality of life you know you'd you'd work you'd lose your pay you'd borrow money from people you'd do this you'd do that um and it just not being a great thing and essentially hit rock bottom um doing a lot of bad things and then from that is yeah seeking help so you know i spoke to my parents i spoke to friends um and and the general consensus was that i needed to go get help um originally for me that looked like going to seeing a um counselor yeah um so it was a gambling counselor um and from that they directed me through to um ga and to to rehab okay so which would which did you go to first ended up going to um the gambling counselor um, and then I actually ended up going to rehab first yeah. and, um, a shout out to those guys at my hab in Glen Waverley to, uh, Cheryl and Mick. Um, yeah, I don't think I'd be anywhere near I would be today without that group. Um, and they're the ones that then got me into GA there and same thing goes without the connection of rehab and without the connection of, um, GA, like, yeah, I wouldn't be anywhere near in the recovery process I am now today. Yeah. So was it easy to get into rehab? Uh, relatively, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, um, my father and a good friend of mine, um, had found a, a rehab, um, and they put me on that path, um, when I spoke to them once and they said, yeah, we're here to help, um, and went in and, um, did that. And then, yeah, through that, we, we went to plenty of different, um, anonymous meetings and, and a lot of those being GAs. Um, while I was in there, actually, we had a, a few, um, gamblers in there. Um, compulsive gamblers and um, yeah, varying ages and things like that and varying experiences. But um, general consensus, it was a little bit different to the the other addictions in terms of same sort of upbringing. There's no real yeah. you know you know difference in lifestyle or anything up. And then it just it's something that you know with the pathways in our brains that we that we, that we forged and um, decisions that were made that it just sent us on that path. Um, 
and yeah luckily we're all we're all doing quite well now in recovery and we still keep in contact but yeah. um, a big part of that comes down to the gamblers anonymous and to rehab yeah yeah um so do you want to talk about um i guess the realization that you were a problem gambler and yep. i guess um you know how how ga how you thought ga might have helped you yeah so i mean the realization of being a problem gambler comes down to the the fact that you're you're powerless over it it's um it's something that's going through your head whether you want to decide it or not it's a it's that first thought that you end up acting upon um and that's what you learn you know through gamblers anonymous that if you you know you're not responsible for the first thought but you're responsible with what you do after that so you know you might have a first thought about it but if you don't if you choose not to act on that then that's the that's your first original thought going there from that yeah. and um yeah there's been plenty of people i've met through gamblers anonymous and that that group of people um that just help you you know go through things you know the the warm welcoming sitting in a room of people that understand what you're essentially thinking and what you've gone through um is paramount to to the recovery process yeah that is, <laughs> is isn't it um and and i guess also the fact that they don't judge judge you for what you've done which is unusual for society yeah it is it's and it was one of the um biggest things i think going into rehab and even into to gamblers anonymous you're sitting there and people are so openly talking about their issues, their their problems, their trials through life, and yet you're sitting there and you're like, hang on a minute, you can be open. There's no judgment here. This is a very safe environment that you can talk about. And it was a big thing that they had there at MyHab, um, in particular as well. That that's it. Whatever you say here stays so here. And that it doesn't go any further, and it's it's what they preach at all the anonymous meetings and the gamblers anonymous and things like that is that just this is the time to talk about it. This yeah. is this is the place. This is you're not going to get judged. You're only going to be offered help. Um, and it's not about advice giving. Mm. It's about being there for someone to be able to talk through what they're doing, and then yeah. if if they need help, they can reach out for it. Yeah, yeah. You're the one who's who's got to do the. Yeah. Do the work and, and want the solution. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think that, and it's the the biggest thing you learn from that as well is that, you know, in all of these these meetings and um, I know Mick and Cheryl through my hab always say it as well that, like, it's not about giving advice. We always want to talk, talk in the in the eye. You know, it's yeah. it's from your personal experiences and hopefully yeah. by sharing your experience, um, someone else will gain knowledge and and strength through that. Yeah, and yeah, and hope that things can improve. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Well, so we might take another break there. Uh, I've got another song, and this one uh, is from an infectiously joyous indie duo, and their new song yeah, comes via Amrap, and the song's called West Coast, and it's by Sunday Lemonade. From the first moment that I saw your eyes, I swore to love you till the very end, and no matter what happens, I promise stays the same. Oh,
We're talking about ecological thinning and subsidised longing, but we basically mean the same things, don't we, here? Wherever there are chemical corporations around the world, they're constantly trying to chip away at regulations. Earth Matters, bringing you environmental and social justice stories from developments in government and industry to the campaigns and communities that are standing up to them. Earth Matters plays at 11am Sunday and 6.30am Wednesday. Turn your dial to 855am or listen online at 3cr.org.au. While the headlines have subsided, the nuclear power plant is still not under control, with the spent fuel rods removed from only one out of four reactors. Law needs to change so that uh, our rights can be recognised, so that decisions in relation to the use and exploitation of our lands is ours. Ah, we're back on air. Um, this is the Living Free Show on 3CR Digital Radio, live streaming on 3cr.org.au. And I'm talking with Ryan about compulsive gambling and his recovery through Gamblers Anonymous. Um, so, Ryan, uh, before the break, we were talking about um, getting into rehab and getting exposure to Gamblers Anonymous. So do you want to tell us a bit about um, coming out of rehab and, uh, I guess, getting back into normal life and how GA helped? Yeah, definitely. So I think coming out of rehab, um, one of the key things that they taught us there again is you know, meetings do make it. Um, so make sure you get down to the you know, your meeting, go to your um, as many you know, anonymous meetings as you can, in particular for myself, GA, um, to Gamblers Anonymous. Um, but obviously if you can't, then you can head to the other um, cohorts as well. Um, but I think the, the biggest thing there was definitely try and get to as many of those as possible. Um, and build connections, meet people, get phone numbers, have a have a list of people there who are able to help if you know you do need someone yeah. to call on. Um, you've got those sort of connections, and also to keep you um, honest with yourself as well. You know, when you're around people um, who are like-minded, when you're with people who are experiencing that sort of stuff, um, being able to check in with them once, twice, three, five times a week, whatever you need, um, keeps you in reality. Um, and along my journey, you know, I got out of rehab, um, spent 40 odd days, um, sober, clean, not gambling, um, then had a relapse. Um, and that probably came out of complacency. Um, Mm. I didn't turn up to as many meetings, um, didn't do those sort of things. And it just came from not turning up to Gamblers Anonymous, not catching up with those people and, and staying in the reality of it all and falling back into the, the trap of, addiction and gambling um so what what did you think when you were just sort of backing off from meetings i'm cured i'm good yeah Yeah. um but it's not that um i think it was more of the exactly that the complacency of like okay i'm all all okay everything's good i've done that now i I have the knowledge i know i don't need to i don't need to work on it um which yeah isn't the truth um yeah happily over 80 days now 85 odd days um, and I think the biggest thing there is just keep, you know, the reminder, you know, keep there. Don't build complacency in it. It's the keep in contact with people, um, you know, turn up to meetings, go see these sort of things. Um, you know, look, life happens as well, and I understand that, and I'm not the perfect person, so I don't always get to meetings, um, but it's definitely about doing my best to get there. Um, you know, I regularly attend um, a meeting back at the at the rehab on a Wednesday night, um, and then I try and go to either Monday or Tuesday, depending on what what's happening as well, with some local ones um, for Gamblers Anonymous. But it's it's in my recovery, turning up to meetings and and talking with and meeting like-minded people is definitely paramount to to staying on that straight and narrow. Yeah. Um, so do you want to talk about what you had to do to your phone to avoid gambling? Yeah, I mean, like around my phone. Um, First thing is like there's a fantastic new thing with the government where you can exclude yourself from gambling throughout Australia. Um, so sign up for that. Um, basically, yeah, any source of gambling thing. There's gambler blocks on there you can you know put on there so you can't even access websites, those sort of things. Um, on your bank accounts, there's options there. Turn off the gambling option, which means you can't just go ahead and bet on it. You know, you can't use your cards or anything for gambling. Okay. Um, so there's there's a plethora of things that you can actually put in, sa- in place to safeguard yourself as well. Um, 
to, you know, if something goes wrong, if something shit hits a fan, you can just, you've got things to fall back in place because nobody's perfect. So um, same reason you don't expect an alcoholic to sit in a house full of booze. Well, don't sit with your phone with a bunch of options to be able to gamble. Um, So it's just, yeah, about putting the right things in place to, to be able to help with that. Yeah. What about friendships? Yeah, friendships, definitely. I mean... Um, I'm fortunate enough through my work and through sport and through just general friendships that I've got a lot of support. Um, so I found myself in positions where gambling has been brought up um, and fortunate enough where in all those situations, I haven't had to be the one that's had to steer the conversation away. Um, so I've been quite fortunate that by being open with yeah. some people and, and having those conversations that the support around me has been able to help steer that conversation and go, actually... Gambling isn't what it's cut out to, what, what everyone, you know, these ads make it fun to be, bet with your mates, no. Yeah. It's um, actually quite a, a serious topic and something that shouldn't be done. So, um, yeah, quite fortunate with that. And, look, there are some friendships that I've had to not cut off, but definitely cut back, yeah, yeah. choose cut back on yeah. um, because it's just not been something that's gone, okay, yeah, I don't really want to hang out with someone who's going to be doing that all the time. Um, so It's yeah. pretty boring, isn't it, anyway? It's, it's friendship. Extremely, <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, it's um, yeah, if, if friendship was just about gambling. It's the probably one of the most boring things ever. Mm. What sit around and watch a screen that has no interest to you at all? Like it's yeah. yeah, yeah. So what about relationships? Yeah, I mean, I'm in a in a very healthy relationship right now. My partner knows my journey. Um, yeah, my, knows my my past. Um, very supportive. Um, understands that you know, above everything, recovery comes first. Um, I think that's been paramount in in what's what's happened through my recovery and those things. And don't get me wrong, it hasn't been easy. No. Um, and it's not easy on partners either. Um, but from from her support and from everything, it's it's definitely made things a lot easier. And also, I've had to realise that with me as well, I've got to make sacrifices too and and help support them because um, addiction doesn't just affect the person with the addiction. Yeah. Um, it affects everyone around them. Yeah. So what about family? What about your parents? Yeah, parents still love them both dearly. Um, they're still very much in my life, very much supportive of um, everything I do. Um, and yeah, again, couldn't couldn't ask for two better parents from them. Yeah. Okay. And what about recovering your financial position? Is that hard? Bloody oath, it's hard. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean... Yeah, it's 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 something that's going to take time. Um, it's not easy. Luckily, I'm fortunate enough to be able to work still, work full time. Um, but it's it's definitely a, a slow road back. Um, and building those new pathways of you know saving money, healthily paying back debts, which I'm still doing now. Um, but you know doing it the the right way. Um, and, and going through that and to be honest as well the satisfaction to actually be able to pay something off or yeah. you know even to the extent of um, you know I took I, I paid for, for lunch for my partner and my friends the other day mm. like that's that's not something I could have could have imagined in the past few years to do unless it was off the back of some win where I was all you know the big man but yeah. no nah, the, the satisfaction it felt to be able to have money to go out and do something for people that I love from the right ways and saving it and then looking back and going that's actually really well spent like i'm glad i did that Mm. um is incredible but it's a long road to recovery and the financial recovery on it is just as long yeah so what about a lot of people talk about struggling to rebuild trust in people did you have you got that problem as well um Look, there's there's definitely always going to be a level of like trust that I have to build up with certain people, or um, you know, people feel that I need to build trust in them as well. Um, I think their decisions are out of my control. Yeah. Um, I have to do what I can for my recovery. Mm. Um, I have to do what I can to be honest and open with someone and put my best foot forward, and then ultimately it's on them to whether they. Um, accept me and trust me again um, or they don't and it could take a day it could take a week it could take a month a year 10 years that doesn't matter but as long as I put my best foot forward and do what I can control then 
what they do is out of my control and, mm. and I'm happy that I've done as much as I can. Mm. So how hard was it admitting to your friends what you're actually doing? Quite hard. Yeah. yeah, it's not an easy thing to do. I think I was blessed with the fact that I had some friends who um, very open and really care about me. Mm. In particular, um, a few of them and even family and things like that, that, you know, they brought up the conversation as well with me. Yeah. Um, but it's still not an easy conversation. Like, there's still people I tell today and um, no one knows how to take it. No, mm. it's... And there is no easy way to say it. Um, but... The one thing I do know is that there is never a right time mm. to tell someone. There will never be the perfect moment, the perfect situation, the perfect conversation, anything like that. The The best time to do it is now. The best yeah. time to talk about it is now. Take away the stigma of, of addictions, of gambling and those sort of things. And look, whether it's an issue, even if it's not an issue, even if you just see your friend put on a $1 bet for the first time ever in their life, have the conversation yeah you know it's if you stop stigmatizing it if you stop having this big you know worry around oh you know how can someone gamble or do you reckon there's something going on or no if you have the conversation you open it up and actually talk about i suppose mental health and things like that that's the the biggest approach on it and i think that i was fortunate enough that there was a lot of people in my life that were very open to the conversation um and that's how i built more and more trust and by speaking with them it built my confidence in being able to actually talk about it and then i could speak to the people who maybe weren't as open to it um but it's actually insane how accepting people are <laughs> yeah um yeah. yeah i think there's as addicts or people you know in a situation like this you think that everyone's going to have this weird opinion or like going to shun you down or whatever nah like not going to happen. Not going to happen. People yeah. actually care. Mm. Um, what was I going to say? Um, had a good question. I've forgotten it. <laughs> <laughs> so um, do you find, you know, in, in your recreational activities, a lot of people are still gambling a lot? Is that... Um, in, uh, your, in your sports activities and things? Is, yeah, look, is that pe- something? people still do it. Yeah. Um, but... Like, I'm powerless against people, places, and things. Yeah. Like, I can't choose what people do. I can't choose what a place is going to advertise and, yeah, what things are going to happen. But I can control me. Um, I do know that for a fact. And, you know, I mean, we just had the Melbourne Cup weekend. Yeah. <laughs> like, I can't exactly walk into a pub and say, hey, turn that off. Yeah. Or I can't expect to walk in somewhere and have people completely shut down a conversation just because of um you my my needs you know like and i don't want them to either i don't want them to stop doing what they want if that's who you want to be that's who you want to be but i also would or do expect the respect that if i walk in somewhere and i choose to remove myself from that situation because it's not comfortable Mm -hmm. with me you're not going to turn around and be like why are you doing that no it's well that's what he needs to do that's that's what happens you know and the fact that, you know, like I said, went for lunch over the weekend, didn't go to a pub, went somewhere else. Went with people who care about my situation, didn't want to bring up that conversation, didn't care about what was happening. Like yep. So there's just these little things that, you know, I can focus on me, I can control what I do. Um, and then if it, there's any point that I'm frustrated, I just say the serenity prayer, yeah. <laughs> um, which, yeah, if you go to any anonymous um, meeting, you'll, you'll learn that. Yeah. Um, and that gets you through what you yeah. need to do. Yeah. And just for today, you can't, you, know, you can't change your life, yeah. but you can endure it for a day, yeah. 100%. Yeah. And if it's not for today, it's for the next half a day. And if it's not for the half a day, it's for an hour. If it's not for an hour, it's just for now. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. That's good. <laughs> uh, we're getting near the show, near the end of the show. Um, one, one other thing, um, you know, I, I guess looking back, is there some point um, in your, you know, your story when you think, you could have stopped progressing or do you think it was just a natural progression for you just to go on and become a, a problem gambler? Um, yeah, I actually think that there probably was. Um, a few years ago when I first broached it with my parents um, around it, none of us had any experience around addiction, gambling, any anything like that. Um, probably if there was more support and understanding around one, rehabs and two, 
anonymous meetings. Yeah. We had no knowledge of it. Mm-hmm. And like, I mean, again, I talk from a typical family, yeah. parents, uh, you know, brother, sister, like family of four, very standard, you know, family, parents went to work, came back, we went to school, that sort of thing. Um, so there's not too much out of the ordinary, but there was, there's no, no knowledge of it. And the quickest thing you get of about don't gamble or don't drink or don't do drugs is the end of a commercial yeah. where they've just endorsed the whole thing <laughs> and it goes through at about 10 times speed. Yeah. Um, so yeah. yeah, I think just the, the awareness of the help that's out there, yeah. um, could definitely be bigger. So, you know, shows like this and, mm. um, talks like this, or again, talking with your friends, talking with your mates, knowing that there's, there's options out there, um, is definitely the biggest thing. So yeah, it could have been a different scenario. Um, but maybe I wouldn't be here today speaking yeah. to you. Yeah, that's so. right. Yeah. Well, I think you've got to use whatever experience you have. Yes. And um, if it, you know, considered to be a negative experience, we'll use that for a positive, positive yeah. reason. Yeah. Yeah. That's yep. good. Okay. Well, that's about all we've got time for. Um, if anybody's out there who'd like to find out more about Gamblers Anonymous, uh, you can phone them on 0396966108, or you can go online at gaaustralia.org.au. Uh, and you can find more information on recovery from compulsive gambling. That's about all we've got time for today. Uh, So I'd like to thank Ryan for sharing his gambling recovery story with us and talking about how Gamblers Anonymous has helped his recovery. Thank you very much for having me on here, Bill. Pleasure. I hope you'll be able to join me again next week and when I'll be talking with Dan, who's a member of Alcoholics Anonymous, and we'll be talking about the impact of alcoholism on his life. Uh, Coming up next, we have Balanoir, the spirit of war, hosted by Uncle Telgum Choco Edwards. Join Uncle Choco in the spirit of war on a journey of belonging and movement through sing-alongs and yarns. Uh, thanks for listening. Stay safe and stay tuned now for more Radical Radio on 3CR. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.